And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Wednesday the 13th of December. I'm Michael Bailey and on today's show... Manchester United are out of Europe. It's been an historically bad group stage campaign. There's just no fight, no impetus, no urgency. Newcastle sweat over yet more fitness issues. Loris Karius is set to come into the side if Dubravka is unavailable. And we have the latest on the Turkish top flight suspension. He was arrested and questioned by the police. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Michael Bailey. It's all over for half of this season's Champions League groups. We'll wrap up all last night's action shortly, but there is only one place to start, and that is Group A where Manchester United have been knocked out of Europe. A stretch for Victor Klaas and he's able to make it. Lerahar racing through the middle. El Yunusi will head towards the far post. It's into Lucas Lerahar! Copenhagen made the breakthrough and Lerahar's the man who finds the back of the net. Yes, that goal sealed Copenhagen's 1-0 win at home to Galatasaray, which meant United were out regardless of what they managed against Bayern Munich at Old Trafford. And that didn't go to plan either. Goretzka... Turns it back inside towards Muller, on by Kane. Here's the chance for Bayern Munich, 1-0. That Kingsley Coman goal was the only goal as group winners Bayern won 1-0. It also left Harry Kane with as many assists at Old Trafford this season as United captain Bruno Fernandes. Copenhagen finishing second was the first time they've made it through the group stage since 2010, while United finished bottom with their lowest ever points return. They may have scored 12 goals in four games, just as many as Bayern, but they also conceded 15, more than any other English team in the Champions League group stage. Our reporter Mark Critchley joins us now from Old Trafford. Mark, what was the mood like there at full-time? Oh, the mood at full-time, I think just one of uh, just resignation, like an inertia, I think. Look, I came here tonight expecting one of three things. I even thought there would be kind of triumph, disaster, where it would be some sort of glorious failure and, you know, they'd they'd win, but they wouldn't get the right the right result in Copenhagen. But in the end, it actually wasn't any of those three things. It was just nothing. United, they were solid enough for the first half, you'd say. It was a competitive game. I think some people looked at the team sheets and expected Bayern to blow them away and that never really transpired. But then in the end, they still, despite that, they still concede. And then they barely lay a glove on on, on Bayern Munich. There was only one shot on target in the end. This was a game that they always needed to win. And then even in the last the last 20 minutes where, you know, Bayern are already 1-0 ahead, there's just no fight, no impetus, no urgency. They're out of the Champions League now, finished bottom of the group, out of Europe. Is it going to change anything about Ten Hag's position? Has anyone got the energy in them for another Man United crisis? I don't know. But the mood certainly to sum up at Old Trafford tonight was just one of just nothingness, really, of just disappointment. And that's, that's what they've got used to throughout this uh, Champions League campaign. It felt like the missing ingredient was also belief. Yeah, exactly. And look, everything that's been said, everything that's been written about this United squad in the last few weeks would suggest that this is a team that, you know, look at the results. They're, why would they have belief? This is the 
was the 12th defeat of the season so far. That's now, they played 24 games, lost 12 of them, 50%, half the games they've lost, lost more games than they've won. It isn't a group at the minute that inspires you. Look, we always knew that this was going to be a difficult ask and I don't think we shouldn't go overboard and say this was the night that, that sealed the deal, if you like. You know, United are going out of the Champions League and they're out of Europe because mainly because of that Galatasaray game at home. They've thrown it away on numerous occasions throughout this group stage campaign. I think that speaks to a certain lack of mentality that's that's within this group of players at the moment. Yeah, it felt like an awful group stage in truth and probably the worst the club has gone through in any European competition. How do you reflect on this group stage overall? I think the Champions League, this, this group stage, I think is is almost a, a more of a symbol of, of where it's going wrong with United this season because it's not to say that everything's going wrong, right? There's been moments, even in the Premier League, but definitely in this Champions League group stage, where they've looked pretty good, where they've, you know, going 2-0 up in Galatasaray, beating Copenhagen, going up in Copenhagen. There's There's been some light but there's been also been some shade as well and um, that's ultimately what's undone them it's just never really been able to maintain a level of consistency over 90 minutes it's such a volatile such a chaotic style of play that they've been putting out there this season so I think yeah this group stage is really the whole season in microcosm and that coaching means the questions will be asked of Eric Ten Hag again what does all this mean for his future the issue right now is that the club is in a certain purgatory of stasis, if you like, above Ten Hag. We're still waiting. We've been told next week, next week, next week over this Ineos 25% deal. <laughs> it might still be next week or it might be after Christmas. It, we're pretty confident that it's coming. We're pretty sure that it's coming. They were meeting with the rest of the, you know, the existing hierarchy just, just last week. But it needs to happen in order for anything else to happen, basically. Everything that's going on at the moment will be informing their decisions. In the past, figures close to Ineos have been quite keen to say that, you know, they don't see Ten Hag as a problem. But, you know, this is Manchester United. If you don't win games, pressure mounts, things can change quickly. So I'm sure everything that's happened over the last couple of months will be informing those decisions when they come. But for the meantime, I don't, I don't think it's going to have a huge effect on Ten Hag's future. We're still in this stasis, if you like, between regimes where where no real major decisions can be taken. Thanks, Mark. And you'll find much more on the fallout from United's European exit with our dedicated podcast, Talk of the Devils. You'll find it wherever you're listening to us right now. That's Group A wrapped up. So what about the other three groups that finished last night? Let's take you through the action. Napoli qualified from Group C thanks to a 2-0 home win over Braga. Had a chance to square to Osserman, does, and it's back heeled slowly, slowly, slowly over the line. That was Napoli's second, scored by Victor Osserman. It was the Nigerian's first goal in Europe this season and his first in any competition since early October. And it all came just 24 hours after he was in Marrakesh being named African Player of the Year. Real Madrid had already won the group and didn't have it all their own way at Union Berlin, but they got the job done in the end, winning 3-2, leaving Union without a win from their first Champions League adventure. Group D's leading duo played out a goalless draw in Spain, which was enough for Real Sociedad to secure top spot and avoid the top seeds in the last 16. That left last season's finalists Inter to finish second, while Benfica went to RB Salzburg and saw Angel Di Maria do this. In comes that corner and all the way in! That was the Argentinian scoring straight from a corner and that set up Benfica's 3-1 win in Austria, getting them into the Europa League on goal scored. Quite the feat, given last night was the only game Benfica have won. 
All of which left Group B, where Angelo Fulgini scored in the sixth minute of added time to see Lens beat Sevilla 2-1 and book a spot in the Europa League come the new year. Arsenal and PSV had already clinched first and second place respectively, and they drew 1-1 in Eindhoven. As you know, the Daily Football Briefing is brought to you by Google Pixel, bringing fans closer to the game. And it's time for us to go beyond the frame to discover a little something you might have missed from Arsenal's draw at PSV. Jordan Campbell was in the Netherlands for the Champions League group stage clash, and while there was hope some of Arsenal's youngsters might get their first minutes of European football, Mikel Arteta had other ideas. Yeah, it may have been a dead rubber on paper, but I don't think you would have uh, believed that had you seen the reaction of some of the, the Arsenal players at full time. They had a great chance to, to steal the three points at 10 seconds from time, but the shot was saved. And then when the referee blew up, I think you saw the reaction of Ben White and, and Gabriel in particular, put their hands on their head, looking to the sky. You saw another couple of players sort of standing still, their hands on their hips as if they just lost a really big game. It actually reminded me of the reaction at the Emirates in March when they, they crashed out of the Europa League to, to Sporting Lisbon. Completely different context, but I guess what I took away from it was the fact that Arteta has created this culture where for the players, they they feel like they've got to win every single game. Yesterday he said, at a club like Arsenal, if they want to be in the elite, you have to feel a duty to win every single game no matter what's on the line. He did change eight players from the weekend, resting seven first-team regulars, but he did bring on five of them <laughs> during the second half to try and chase the game rather than give any of the three the three youngsters that were travelling their, their European debut. So I think that sort of underlines the fact that Arteta doesn't uh, ever switch off. Thanks, Jordan. And we'll have another Beyond the Frame next week, brought to you by Google Pixel. On to tonight's football and the final chapter of this season's Champions League group stages. Here's what to look out for. Let's start with Group H. The key game here sees Porto host Shakhtar Donetsk. Both are on nine points, but only one can join Barcelona in the last 16. Porto won the previous meeting, so a draw would see them through. In Group E, Atletico Madrid and Lazio have already qualified. They meet in Spain to decide who takes top spot and ideally avoid Real Madrid, Bayern Munich and Manchester City in the knockout stages. Man City and RB Leipzig have already sewn up spots 1 and 2 in Group G, while Young Boys have secured the Europa League berth, so they may as well all just shake hands and save their legs. And we've saved the best for last, that's the compelling climax to the Group of F, a four-club battle that has lived up to its billing. Borussia Dortmund have already qualified, but a win for Paris Saint-Germain in Germany would see the French side through as group winners. So PSG control their own destiny, but should they fail to win, the door opens for Newcastle and AC Milan, who meet at St James's Park. A draw won't be enough for either side. They must win and hope that PSG don't. Here's our correspondent Chris Woff with yet more eye-catching Newcastle team news. Ahead of a potentially season-defining fixture for Newcastle United, Eddie Howe has been speaking to the media and has some huge team news. There are doubts over Martin Dubravka's fitness. He missed part of training this morning and Eddie Howe admitted that he can't say for certain that he will play. Whether he was being mischievous or not is uncertain at this stage. He had been deputised in any way for Nick Pope, who has been uh, injured with a dislocated shoulder. Loris Karius is set to come into the side if Dubravka is unavailable and obviously he had that famous disappointing night in goal for Liverpool in the Champions League final a few years ago. Beyond that, Anthony Gordon and Sean Longstaff also missed part of training this morning and Eddie Howe could not confirm whether 
any of his large contingent of injured players would return for this match. So huge, really, for Newcastle. Not the ideal news ahead of the ahead of the match. But equally, was Eddie Howe just playing mind games? It's never sure when he gives uh, injury updates. But yes, huge match coming up for Newcastle, and it will certainly be a special night at St James's Park. Thanks, Chris. So it's pretty desperate for Newcastle. But what about Milan? James Horncastle is our Italian football correspondent. James, what shape are they in? <laughs> Not great. Milan and Newcastle have quite a lot of things in common at the moment. Milan have had, I think, almost 30 separate injuries um, so far this season. And really, since the beginning of October, um, that has started to have a bit of an impact on the team's form. The fixture list has also ratcheted up in difficulty in that time. You know, even though Milan are in the top four, they are closer to 10th than they are to Inter, the league leaders. Uh, There's pressure, scrutiny on Stefano Pioli because even though they've had all these injuries, you know, some of his uh, tactics, his selection choices, you know, have been suboptimum, I would say. And he really has to show some Houdini-esque escapology, which we've seen from in the past to kind of get Milan out of this hole that they're in at the moment. That was James Horncastle. Remember, you can watch all of the Champions League action on TNT Sports and Discovery Plus in the UK or Paramount Plus in the US. Now, as Tim Spears reported on yesterday's daily football briefing, Turkey's top division, the Super League, has been suspended indefinitely. That's after those horrible scenes on Monday night when Farouk Koja, president of Ankara Guju, raced onto the field and hit referee Halil Umut Mela after their 1-1 draw with Rizaspor. Mela was hospitalised after being knocked to the floor initially by Koja, whose team had conceded a 97th-minute equaliser. Koja has since been arrested over the incident and now quit his position at the club. Football writer Nick Miller has been looking into what happened and he joins us now. Nick, what's been the reaction... The first thing to say is that this is being seen in by a lot of people in Turkey as the kind of continuation of a culture where referees are being scapegoated. You you will rarely go a weekend without the president or some official from one of the big clubs claiming some kind of conspiracy against them. On Tuesday, the representatives of the kind of referees union released a, a statement which basically said they're not going to referee until something pretty serious is done. They didn't really specify what exactly that would be, but it's pretty clear that this is a sort of line-in-the-sand moment. Initially, the Ankoguchi president was quite unrepentant. He basically accused the referee of taking a dive. He said, I slapped him and it wasn't that serious. The doctors at the hospital begged to differ because they uh, confirmed that um, Mella had a small fracture in his eye socket, which is sounds pretty grim to me, but they seem pretty confident that he's going to be fine. He was arrested and questioned by the police, and then uh, later on, on Tuesday, he announced that he would be resigning which is welcome, but it does minimise the punishment that he might receive from the Turkish Football Federation, certainly, who in theory could ban him for life. But he is also obviously facing some criminal charges as well. And presumably this is not the end of the matter. There is this board meeting on Wednesday where they say that decisions will be made and they will kind of try and figure out a way forward. But with the referees basically saying that this is something we've been ex- that has been coming and we're not going to stand for it anymore. In theory, there should be a recognition that the referees' injuries could have been much more serious. So let's, you know, maybe let's 
calm down and let's let's not scapegoat referees anymore. The fear is that everyone will sort of talk about this for another couple of weeks and a few minor concessions will be made and then it will just go back to normal with uh, everyone criticising the referees again. So, yeah, as we record, things are pretty up in the air and it is quite difficult to see what significant concessions can be made that will satisfy the, the referees. You can go deeper on this story by reading Nick's piece with Adam Leventhal over at The Athletic. And that's all for today's briefing. Thanks for listening. I've been Michael Bailey. Your producers were Abby Patterson and Mike Zimmerman. And executive producer was Ian McIntosh. I'll be back tomorrow to tell you who made it out of the group of F. In the meantime, have a great day. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.